Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Tonight, speak to you from my heart. Um, as you know, last week I started a subject called church culture. Church culture, and we talked about um, really leaning into grace and truth and, and um, talking about that stuff. And I, I really talked about grace last week. But I told you I'd come back this week and, and lean on the other side of that. And so uh, I want to do, do that here tonight. God bless you. You may be seated. You may be seated. So I've got a lot to say in a few minutes, so I'm going to get going, all right? Um, and if there is something that is, um, comes to your spirit and your mind upon my completion of tonight's message, um, talk to me. Talk to me. Let's, let's talk. Uh, because I want, it to, I, want, I want this kind of subject to open up things for you and not close you down uh, with this subject. So first of all, just a brief recap, recap of last week, and that is there's many kinds of, many kinds of church culture that are celebrated today, and there's churches that um, do things just different than, than we do, and we do things different than them. That doesn't make them better, doesn't make us better. I often say that the Parkway is not better than anybody else. We're just different because every church is different. They have their culture. Everybody has their own culture, and each church has their specific approach. This stuff I mentioned last week, specific approach to music, uh, decor, uh, organizational style, but the problem is there can be no one size that fits all to, to every church. And so then where should a local church culture come from we talked about? So where, where and, we, and again, I unpacked all of that part quite a bit last week. I'm just kind of recapping. But this is where I wanted to get to this scripture. And the scripture is uh, a, a candy stick for Parkway. It's uh, kind of really, to be honest with you, what my vision with this church has kind of been built around. Um, and it's John chapter 1, verses 14, uh, and then verses 16 through 17. Let me read them for you, and they will be on the screen tonight. It says, and the word became flesh, and the, let's just go real slow on this verse, all right? Uh, and the word, the word. We, 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 we have scriptures like, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? And look at here, and the word became flesh. Before I get into that, I didn't tell you all this uh, from last week. We, we taught on grace last week. We taught on grace last week. And really linked in hard, strong to grace, and it's who we are. And we're trying to build a culture of grace here. But it's built off this verse. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who, who's that talking about right there? Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So this Jesus that we're believing in, serving, is full of grace and truth. So we feel like that if he is full of grace and truth, the church should be on a mission, propelling, pushing grace and truth, and um, it is just who we are. And so, for the law was given through Moses, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Moses, Old Testament, Old Testament law, that came through Moses, but in this New Testament, John says, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. And so, the culture of this church, the, this church is a church that is anchored. We used this statement for a long time, and it used to be inner baptistry pre-Harvey. A lot of things were pre-Harvey, but we used to have a sign in the baptistry that said, gave this scripture, it was on, it was on a piece of plexiglass, that said the scripture, and then says where grace and truth meet. And it, that, if, if you want to know who Parkway is, yes, we have a, a vision, connect the dots, and I'll mention that here in a minute, but, but who we really are is a place where grace and truth meet. And if, if I can give anything in the ministry that I have, if I, if I wanted to 
push something, it would be this. I want you to leave, at, leave if God gives you five years, 25 years here, or we bury you here. I want you to leave here knowing that I really, I hope that I taught you grace and truth. Does that make sense? Because if I, if I, I teach a ton of other things and I don't get you full of grace and truth, we're really, really not living the mission of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was a grace and truth on a mission. And so we carry on with the ministry of Christ by moving the mission filled with grace and truth. And so last week, delved all into the culture in our church, the culture of grace. And I've tried to, again, push that along because I want you to love people unconditionally like Jesus did. So I said last week I believe every church has its unique culture, but I also believe in churches there should be some core staples in every church, and that's where grace comes in. I, I think grace is a, if, I'll, I, in fact, there's a prayer I pray quite often. God, give revival to every church in the golden triangle. That is preaching grace and truth. That, that's, that's been my prayer. And it's not that they have to have, because this is not our vision. This, we, we didn't copyright this. This is the word of God. But I know if it's truth alone, it'll be, uh, there'll be a, a lot of spiritual abortions. People that are filled with the spirit, a lot of great things happen, and boom, they wash out before they mature. And when it's grace alone, it'll never have, It'll, it'll, it'll be sweet, it'll be loving, it'll be kind, it'll be all of that, but it'll never have the depth that truth brings in. Does that make sense? And so I hope to be, and I'm not saying we're perfect at this, but a place where grace and truth meet. So talked about culture of, of, of grace. Now I want kind of, to kind of hit a, a culture of, of truth and, and spend a few minutes on this. Um. So being a grace-filled church and a culture of grace in our church does not mean that we have a reluctance to speak truth um, or, or challenge sin. I, I've had that statement um, a number of times. People kind of get confused that because we preach grace that we don't preach sin. Um, <laughs> If you were here Sunday, I probably stepped on your toes 47 times about stuff that you're up in. And if not, come on back Sunday, this Sunday. Uh, and I, I, I want to do all of that with grace, but I want to equally tell you that we've got some issues up in our life. Now, issues that may be in a, uh, in some churches they may have only talked about uh, the plan of salvation but never got into some stuff but it's true stuff man and it's true stuff that's going to make you better but we, we preach against sin here and, and we preach against idols that will rob people of true life um, Sunday I will preach of filling green filling green and I'll let you figure out what that is but filling green and I'm going to be I'll, I'll tell you I'm, I'm talking about envy and so it's things like that, idols that build up in, in us and envy that, that robs us of life. And, the, and it can be growing and turn into huge sins in our life, and we want to deal with that. So just because we're a culture of grace doesn't mean we don't want to preach truth. And love compels us to speak the truth so that we can flourish. And so we must, as a church, remain strong in the word, strong in truth, strong in truth. Don't compromise, listen to this statement, I don't ever want to compromise truth in order to reach a culture. So that's easy to happen in churches in our age to compromise truth and, 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 and to, reach, to reach the world's culture. The world has kind of a culture of its own and I don't want to lay my truth down to, to win them, but what am I winning them to? And so we don't want to compromise truth in order to reach a culture. Like Christ, we can teach the law and all the commands of God from a place of love and not a place of legalism. So just as a loving father has 
rules and instructs and, and, and protects his children, God's commands to the, from the word of God point the way to a flourishing life. He gives us so much guidance. And I feel like that, again, is one of our jobs is to equip the saints to go do ministry, but also to equip you to understand that what those, uh, those commands are so that we can have a flourishing life, we can experience life. One of the tools we are creating to help embed into our church that we're working on behind the scenes right now is we in an area of, uh, that we're, we're kind of feeling like is, is missing and probably in churches in general, but I, I need to just say right here, and that is uh, missing developing people in better uh, theolo- the- theological doctrine. Um, we, we're, we're getting them in the church, and we are getting them serving, and then we are getting them into freedom and getting some stuff off their life, but not ne- letting them know what they believe. And, and I'm the first to tell you that I don't feel like we're doing the best. I feel like when seasons we have, but I don't feel like we're doing as good a season now. And so we're, we're in the process behind the scenes of trying to build something into our life group um, hubs that uh, freedom is a hub. And, and, of course, you go through Discover and, and uh, Prayer Force is a hub. But we also kind of want to make one of our hubs a, a class that, or, or a group that would walk you through and let you grow more in your, in your, in your what you believe as, as truth. Does that, does that sound like something you all be interested in? And so it, it's, a, it's a manifesto call to Christians to be a disciple. Be a disciple. To be, what does a disciple mean? A disciple means to be a learner. In other words, that you, you grow in your knowledge and your knowledge causes you to grow in love and you grow in your love and it causes you to want more knowledge and, and it's all done in a beautiful manner. It's not knowledge alone. It's not love alone, but it, they all work together to help us grow in Christ. And Pilate uh, asked Jesus one time, he said, what is truth? And so he has Jesus on the stand, and he's asking him this question, and he's trying to figure out if he wants to condemn him to die. And he asked Jesus, what is truth? And I still believe that the world is asking the church, what is truth? And, and there are, well, I believe they're still asking what is truth. Uh, and, and I think that the Christian people need to be asking what is truth. I don't think we need to just, uh, you know, go with the mob and never stop and go, what do I believe? Is that all right? I don't think we need to just go with the, the flow of things. Uh, there is a, a modern day, and I, I feel this strong as a pastor. I'm, I'm just trying to be honest with you. A strong flow for bigger churches. Nothing wrong with that. I want our church to get bigger. Bigger churches at the, at the, uh, at the uh, expense of real, really, 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 really shallow on the theology side. Because if we don't talk theology, if we talk theology, people might leave. If we talk about what we believe, they might leave. And so, because it may cross with something new. But that's why when I started this message off, I said, if tonight poses a question for you, brings up a question for you, let's talk. Because what what it should be, as we hear the word of God, it should be things that we go, hey, that piques an interest in me. God bless you. That piques an interest in me. I don't know what that was, but... Uh, it piques an instrument. It makes me want to grow. Is that is that is that making any kind of sense to anybody here tonight? And and I, I, you wouldn't you're 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 the you're the Wednesday nights folks, and so you probably are those people that are are hungry for more and more of that. And I love that about you. So, but the world is still asking what is truth. And I think for a long time people would transfer. I hope this makes sense. Would transfer this question, what is truth? They would transfer that question to their denomination. I don't know. Check out the creed of the denomination. I don't know. What is truth? I don't know. Go ask somebody on some board somewhere. Uh, Because I don't know, you know. And we've kind of laid the weight of this answer on the denomination that we met God in. So you may lay the weight of it on some denomination that you met God in, and it may be completely different from you and completely different from you and, uh, I just talked to Kate and Emily, and it's completely different for them. 
and, and so our backgrounds are all over the place on where we met God. And I just want to say, I'm going to be the first to say, we don't discount any of that. Whatever place you met God in, I don't discount that. Uh, I, I, I've had an old boy in, uh, in Austin. He said his first touch with the Spirit of God was at an Amway concert. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know about Amway, but I'm going to just tell you this. I'm pumped that you met God there. I'm pumped that you, He said, I never, I was raised in a church that didn't believe in the Spirit, and at an um, Amway concert, you know, they're selling toilet paper and stuff. And they had a concert, and he felt Jesus at this concert. And so we don't discount your background. And that is one thing that I've tried to build in this culture, that no matter where you came from, we don't discount what you came to this, to this place with. Is that, y'all amens are awesome. All right? Because um, I don't want to discount that. I, I want you, I think, I think that everybody brings to the table, something that you know about God. And that's called the church. And you bring things to the table, and I'm like, wow, never thought about it that way. And you bring things to the table, and I bring things. So I'm kind of telling you what I've learned about God tonight, and I put it on the table, and you tell me what you learned about the Lord and that process all. And that uh, is not something that, uh, that is something that can be a revelation to you and you can grow into God, and it becomes your God, the God that you're willing to stand, walk through hell and high water with, because he becomes your God. And so um, the religious group that kick-started their faith in God is the one we kind of always put that question on, and that is, that's understandable, but it's not healthy because it means you're probably not working out your own salvation, the Bible says, with fear and trembling. I want you to do that. I want you to love to hear me preach, just to be honest with you. I hope you think, man, I like to hear that guy preach. That would have been a real good amen. <laughs> I'm just picking. I'm just picking. But what I'm trying to say is I want that. I do. I want you to love to hear us communicate and unpack the gospel. But I equally want you to, I want you to get in the word. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to get up in it, and I want you to have things that, that inspire you and speak to you and flow through you again because it becomes, it becomes your, your God and it becomes your truth. And, and so I think that is so healthy. healthy. And so uh, make, I want to say this before I get into some, some true things. Make sure of something. Make sure your passed down version of truth parallels with the word of God. Is that fair? Make sure your passed-down version of truth parallels with the Word of God. And I say that about the stuff that I'm about to talk about. Make sure what you're going to hear from me balances with the Word of God. It's imperative. We are a Bible-based church. Every church should be a Bible-based church. So establishing truth must begin where? It must begin in the Word of God. I have people, I've been pastoring here for December, will be 19 years, been in the ministry a lot longer than that, but here 19 years. Do you know how many things that have been brought to me that say, well, this is the way I was raised, and I'm going, that's cool, and I respect that, but where is that? I've even had some people tell me, I don't care where it is. This is what I believe, and that's cool, but are you willing to die on that mountain? Because if I'm going to stand for truth, I want to have something that I can stand and say, this, my friend, is in the Word of God. Because if not, 20 years from now, and the culture changes, where, boy, false doctors come from every site, and you can be easily swayed. Get back in the Word of God. I want to be a word preacher. I may not be a popular preacher in a denomination. I may not be all that because uh, probably because some of the stuff I said last week and this week. But, but, but hear me when I tell you this. Stay in the word. If there's anything my daddy put into me, he got in the church at 18 years of age, didn't know anything about God, came into the church. Um, God continued to lead him to, to truth and, and went from there 
straight to Bible college. He'd been in the church about three months when he went to Bible college. They were saying things about the Godhead, and he was so confused. He didn't know if there was three, two, or one. He, he, didn't, he didn't know. He didn't know. He didn't have a clue. But I'm going to tell you, in just a few years from there, he was teaching at the Bible college. And he spent the rest of his time. What am I trying to say? He got in the Word of God. Got in the Word of God. And if anything my dad wanted to put into Brent and I is to be preachers of the Word of God. Mama said, sit down if you don't have anything to say. Don't just get up there and holler, for goodness sakes. Get up there and have some stuff to say and have it to say from the Word of God. So that's what we've tried to be, build here in this culture. So... And I'm going to try to make this simple because I believe the gospel was not meant to be figured out by theologians alone, but I think it ought to be able to be figured out by a child and the child of God. So the first step that I want to talk about in truth and trying to what we're trying to build into the culture of this church, grace and truth, the truth side of it, is the first thing that we, and I'm not going to say anything you don't know probably, but first step to finding truth is faith in Jesus Christ. It's faith in Jesus Christ. Just have faith. Faith in the Word of God. That when you grab that Bible and you pick it up, you say, this is the book I want to lead my life. And this God who robed himself in flesh named Jesus Christ is the one I want to follow. You've got to have faith in that. And I really, to be honest with you, I've probably been leery of this because of the way I was raised, and and I don't I'm not being by my parents, but in the denomination, that I don't celebrate enough. I'll be honest with you, I don't celebrate enough people's first step of faith, and that's a shame on me, because I, I really need to take I really need to celebrate that first step of faith. All of heaven gets excited about just a sinner coming to repentance. Just, just the first step. So faith in God. Your first step is faith in God. That doesn't mean there's not going to be seasons where your faith is not rock. That's not what I'm talking about. But your first step is to go, hey, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I believe. I believe. So the, uh, the old sinful life then has to die. So that if I could say one step, that's first step is faith. The second step is something's got to die Something has to die in you. Uh, something in the sinful life that you came into just by being born has to die, and an old man has to die, and something has to come alive. And so we, we preach and believe in the Word of God and want this in our culture to be that what that is is repentance. All throughout the Word of God, it's Repentance. When David in the Old Testament made a mistake, what did he do? The Bible said he rent his clothes, put ashes on him. That's Old Testament stuff. But then he fell on his face and repented. The key to David, everybody likes to think the key to David was worship. No, no. The key to David was repentance. Brother messed up a bunch of times. He's like you and I. He was messed up. We got him as one of our heroes. You don't want me to hear, you, you don't want to hear his rap sheet. But he had a key. And the key was he knew how to get on his knees. And when he got on his knees, repentance means turning around. So if we're going to establish a culture of truth that when you make mistakes, you get on your knees, and, and I, I may not literally be on your knees, but you have a place where you are bowing before Christ, and, and we call repentance, the Bible calls repentance, godly sorrow. The Bible said godly sorrow worketh repentance which means this, I feel sorry for what I have done. I feel sorry for my sins. And I will tell you, um, there are churches, let me say it that way, and I'm very familiar with it, that want to scoot past faith and scoot past repentance because it's not, I'm, now y'all don't leave out and go tell the kids this, because it's not sexy. It is not. Because what's sexy for the church is how many people were filled with the Spirit. 
How many do we baptize on Sunday? Are you with me? If y'all can get over my sexy comment. But it's not real sexy to talk about how many people were on their faces before God repenting. And so we're not letting the old man die. We're not letting the old man die. I, I um, talked to somebody here recently, and they said, Pastor, I'm, I don't understand. I come to church. I love what I feel, but I'm no longer out the door. And the words was, it feels like it runs out both sides, and I can't live it. Now, my my thing that I would like to share with that is I can tell you exactly what the problem is. There is a hole in the bucket, dear Liza. There's a hole in the bucket. You're being fed. You're being filled up. But there's a hole in the bucket. But the way you stop up the hole in the bucket is through the power of the blood of Jesus, that, through the power of repentance. Does that make sense? So, God can do all kind of amazing works in my life, but if I walk out of this and I don't have a turning around in my heart, is that, in other words, I'm walking this way in sin, God, God is even so full of grace that I've seen him touch people amazingly and they're still in sin. I'm just being honest with you. He's so full of grace. I've seen him do amazing works in their life and then them step and then they step out because they never walk through repentance and it just it does it just kind of it's like it runs out their fingertips because they're still in sin and they repentance is if you're walking one way is to turn around put your back to that sin that doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect that does not mean that but it does mean that this thing i repented over this and i am going to put that behind me and I'm going to move forward and by the grace and help of the Lord I'm going to make new steps that's why you need grace you need to make new steps and there's going to be moments in the process of walking away from this that you're going to do you're going to do a Lot's wife moment and you're going to look back and go ooh it pretty back there ooh I want some of that and, and, and you want to reach back for that and well, with Lot's wife, they said, the scripture says three words, remember Lot's wife. A lady lost forever. Remember Lot's wife. What does that mean? A lady that's lost forever. She, she, she turned around. She turned around. Of course, she turned into Epsom salt. Rock salt, whatever you want to do. She turned into salt. That's a story. If you hadn't heard that when you're going, well, I'd say, what? There's some unique stories in the word of God. But so what I'm saying is you're going to have moments when you turn. You're going to have moments, and this is the key in living for God. It's the key. This is why you need a church family. This is why you need a pastor. It's why you need a church of the living God. Because what happens in the process, when you start to turn, God will set things in order. He'll set a message there. He'll, send some, he'll, he'll speak into your life to help you stay on the right course if your heart is a posture of growth, if you want to grow in God. So repentance, repentance. So stop up the holes in that bucket by repenting over that. Repenting, move forward, walk away. God, give me grace and help me to be able to walk away from that. Thirdly, I want to talk about this. Jesus told Nicodemus, Nicodemus came to Jesus. The Bible said Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. I call him the first Nick at night. But he came to Jesus by night, and, he, and he, there was a lot of dialogue going on there, and he said this. He said, Jesus, how, how do I enter into, I'm going to just call it the gates of heaven. How, how, do, how do I enter into eternal life? and How, how do I spend eternity? In the, in the, you know, in the right spot here. He's got a, he's got a really honest question. It's a beautiful question, and it's, he's basically asking the same question Pilate's asking. What is truth? How do I fix this? What, what do I do? And Jesus says, I'm just preaching truth tonight. What I know about it, what I've, what I've learned about truth. Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be, he's looking at old Nick, and he said, Jesus, I mean, he said, Nick, you must be born of the water 
and of the Spirit to enter into the kingdom of heaven. This is a beautiful text because this is one of the one of the first time we hear Jesus talk about this plan that he's laid out. And so eventually we'll hear the apostles talk about it, but this is Jesus, and he says, listen, I want there to be two baptisms in your life, and I want there to be a water baptism and a water birth, and I want there to be a spirit birth. I don't want it to be just one and not the other. I want there to be a, a water and spirit birth in your life. And so repentance is there, and then there is this water baptism. Let's talk about this water birth. We, we, we'll call it water baptism because that's what we later, when he said a water birth, a spirit birth, he's talking about water baptism. And when a person is, what does that mean? It's when a person is fully submersed into the water. And I say fully submersed because the word baptism, the Greek word is baptizo, which means to be immersed. So it's not baptism if it's not immersed. You understand? That's the very meaning of the word baptism. So, so don't take any other creeds that would try to pull it away from that. Baptism is baptizo, which means fully submersed. And so the, one of those steps in, in coming to truth is, is to be baptized and to go down in, we, we say it like this, and because we have Bible this, but I don't have time to flesh it all out. But we're going down into what, what we call a watery grave. So if you get the type there that I'm saying the old man's got to die, right? The old man's got to die. The repentance is the old man dying. The water birth, if you get the picture, is a watery grave. Is that cool? So I'm taking... I'm, I'm, if I'm the one doing the baptism, I'm taking them down into a watery grave and bringing them up into new life. Isn't that cool? It's a water birth. It's a water, a water birth. And so that is beautiful to me. Folks, that is so easy. Like, that's not hard. That's like, it's, not, it's no big deal. You got this. You can do this. Don't let it be a point of contention. Don't let, well, I'll tell you what, do I have to? Do I want to a little bit? But, you know, I, he just said, I don't ask for much. But I'm asking you to have a, a, a water birth and a spirit birth to enter the kingdom of heaven, Nick. And so we start feeling, seeing this fleshed out. And at, at the point of baptism, now I'm not, so I'm not trying to pull any wool over your eyes, so I'm, I'm going to talk to you a little bit. So I'm talking about truth. And I will say this, sometimes truth, the Bible talks about truth being blinding. Like sometimes when you first hear truth, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. So, so know that. So if you're in that place tonight, you might get a little one of those blinding moments, but just, just hang in. So at this church in our culture, what we do is when, we, when they go down in water, we speak the name of Jesus over them. Okay, so... so I'll tell you exactly what I'm saying. I say upon the profession of your faith and belief in the word of God, I now baptize you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay, I say that because it's a biblical statement, okay? But I say that for a reason. Now, you're probably thinking, I wish you'd hurry and get through that and put them in the water. I want, you know, that's all part of the deal. It's part of the beauty of the moment. Because what is happening is this old man is dying. Nathan Keating is going in the grave, but when he comes up, I am, there is a new name written in heaven that's being stamped on his life. So the whole picture of the old man dying, a new man being born, this is what's going on here. Now, me and you are going, well, he's just going down in water like it's, it's, it's not, it's Lumberton water. I mean, it's, we didn't get it from Jerusalem. It's just Lumberton water. You may need to be washed again when you get through. It's lumber, okay? But what I'm saying is, is, is you go down in the water, but, but we place the name of Jesus on your life as a seal and stamping on that name. The Bible says the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus... Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I am, we're stamping on the name of Jesus. And that old man is dying and the new man is stamped in the name of Jesus. So in this culture of our church, we're not discounting anybody else, but in this house, we choose to call the name of Jesus as people are being baptized. Now, why do I do that? First of all, I got all kind of cool Bible like I just quoted to you, but also this is one of my favorite texts because it's Jesus talking, and he says this, it's in Matthew 28, 19. It's one of my all-time favorite scriptures. In Matthew 28, 19, it says, it's Jesus, okay, so you got to get the picture of he's about, to, he's about to fly. He's about to go. He's about to, he's, 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 he's about to sail. It's after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He's standing at the place we call it the ascension. Okay, so he, he's dead, buried, r- rose again. He's with his people. There's 5,000 people standing here with him, and he starts, he's about to fly. He's about to go, all right? And he says this. It's called the Great Commission Scriptures. So these are what we call a Great Commission. In other words, this is what you go sick on, church. What would you go do? This is what I want you to go do, okay? So he's about to lay out a recipe, and this is how he says it. Jesus talking. Matthew. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that an awesome scripture? It's awesome to me because it tells me what I'm supposed to do. It gives me a recipe. And everybody standing there that day went, the apostles, you know, all of his disciples, the one that made it back to the party, a couple didn't come back to church. But they're, they're standing there, and they soak up what he's saying, and they go right into business. Okay, so they come out of the Gospels and go right into business because we come out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, which are the Gospels, and we go right into what? Acts. They go into business. Acts means action. They go into action. So here's what he says. That's what you do. Dudes, what are you supposed to do? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And, 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 they, and they, they got it. And so what they did, so what they did, because I, I, I know this can be confusing to people, they left that point and understood exactly what they did. There wasn't, it didn't need to be a fleshing out of theology. And Jesus, what did you mean by this? They understood it completely. Because you understood from the very moment, moment, moment that a Jewish person was born, the number one thing his mama started pushing him was, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So they totally could get this picture of what was going on, and they knew who the name was. So he said this, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So watch this. It's cool. It's kind of revelatory for, for, for some of us, okay? So, um, uh, um, David, would you stand up just a minute? Just, I think this is really cool. So, David, uh, you're, you're, are you a father? Uh, well, you had to check for a little while there, yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, is this a theological question? I don't know. I got you. You're a father? Okay. But your name is what? All right. Are you, are you a son? Good. But your name is what? Do you have life in you? So you have breath in you. So you have spirit, okay? So, but your name is David. So in understanding the equation, he said this. Go ye therefore, we'll put my scripture back up. Go ye therefore and tell all nations, baptizing them, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, name, the name. I don't want you baptized in the name. I want you baptized in the name of the Father. Father is not a name. Son is not a name. Holy Ghost is not a name. The name is Jesus. It's J-E-S-U-S telling the story. And they got that right off. And so all through the New Testament, thank you, David, all throughout the New Testament, that's exactly what they did. There wasn't a fleshing out trying to play theology. There wasn't any way. And there's a reason for that. I'll tell you in a minute. They went right out and they said, this is the recipe. Now what we're going to do is go fulfill the recipe. And so they went out, 
They, he didn't say repeat the recipe. He said go fulfill it. Go teach it. Go do it. So me as a speaker or as a pastor, this is why we build this in the culture of our church, that when you come here and you say, hey, pastor, I want to be baptized, I'm like, dude, let's do it. Let's fill up the tank. Let's heat it up like a hot tub. They say feel good. But when we get there, I'm gonna, it's not going to be anything different to you, but we're going to take you down, bury you in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're a spouse and give me extra money, I'll hold them down longer. Somebody go, well, I might take him up on this deal, you know. Uh, but, but, and we're placing the name of Jesus because I am doing this. I am fulfilling the Great Commission. Now, let me just tell you something. I started a statement a few minutes ago, and I said this. Make sure the truth that you are following that's been passed down from denomination to denomination to creed to this to that, and it's all over the place, and I get it. Make sure that what you're following is in the Word of God. Is that cool? Now, what did I tell you what to go to? Whatever way you stepped in, I'm not discounting. Come on, people, don't get any better than that. You know why? Because on the opposite side of this thing, we preach grace. And so I am not going to preach truth alone without grace. And so when you step in here from different backgrounds and different uh different raisings, and some of you are raised agnostic, some of you are raised atheist, some of you are raised every flavor of Baskin-Robbins, just like me, and we, and we stepped in here. I'm just telling you what I saw in the gospel. If you don't believe me, cool, man, but I'm gonna, I've got to do my part as a called pastor of the gospel. Of the, does that mean I'm, I, we're, we're going we're gonna to check your credentials at the door? Somebody asked the other day, do, for me to go to that church, do I have to be rebaptized? You don't have to do nothing. You're an adult. You can come in and worship here. It don't matter. Are you with me? But I wanted to tell you what we know or what I have found, and that is we're going to baptize you in the name. Now, let me, let me just tell you this, too. This is this kind of cool thong thing, and I, 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 I don't want to mess you up real bad, but I'm probably going to. But the reason this got messed up in the first place, you say, well, why? Why, why don't everybody do that? Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. And you can Google it tomorrow, okay? Cool. Let me tell you why. It's called the Roman church under the king put together a group of ministers, of that day with the influence of the king and it called it the Council of Nicaea, the Nicaean Council. This is why you need to know what you believe. And the Nicaean Council sat around a table and decided what they were going to cipher as truth. And until that day, the church was baptized. Them. Look at it. The church, New Testament church, began in the book of Acts. And they, all throughout the book of Acts, that's the way, the way I told you to baptize. That's the way they baptized. The Nicene Council changed that. A bunch of dudes in a room. And from that point on, there was a contention in the church on do we baptize what, what we call the titles? The titles? Or do we baptize in the name? Now, again, I'm not going to argue with you. You, you, you. I'm just telling you what I know. I'm just telling you what I found. And so, I'm not trying to act like you're a bad person. If you've been done, I'm not trying to act like this or that. I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm just telling you what we know or what we found. And I don't want to take the gospel of a Nicene council. Again, I want to go back to the Word of God. Is that fair? I want to go back to the Word of God. If the Word said it, I'm all in. If the Word didn't say it, I'm not all in. And that's why some people are walking blindly in not just this matter, I don't mean that, but in, in, in all of the Gospels, walking blindly. And the Bible talked about that that was going to happen, that there would be doctrines come from all different areas that were going to try to infiltrate the truth. But it's not rocket science, but we've got to get back to studying. And Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
So that's why we do what we do. Again, I had somebody the other day, the day ask, I don't know if I can go to that church because I think they're going to make me be rebaptized. I, I, we're not a cult. Is that cool? We don't do snakes. If you do, there's a church in Kentucky. They don't wear shoes to church. They, that's where you need to go. But so, so that's that's why we do what we do. And so, I want to encourage you. If that brings up questions in your mind, let's talk. Let's talk. It's a recipe. So, not to be repeated, but to be fulfilled. Now, the next thing here, and this is a lot of a lot of stuff coming at you real quick, and you're like, "Woo!" All right. So, the next thing is spirit birth. Oh, I gotta really hurry. I gotta really hurry. I gotta get you full of spirit real quick. Spirit birth is when the Spirit of Christ comes to live inside of you. You will know when that happens because a gift to you, not, not, this is not for God, this is for you. A gift to you is he gives you a tongue. He, he didn't do it for himself. He gave it to you. And the reason why is on your worst days, you have something that has been divine, that you know that came from God. And just as a babe is born, there's a birth, there is even a water birth for a baby. Every woman's water breaks, right? Just as there's a water birth for every living baby, after that baby is born, that baby starts taking on a language of its own. Right? And we start training them to speak English or Portuguese or wherever you're from and wherever you're at. You start teaching them uh, Spanish, whatever, whatever it may be. You start teaching, and that's their language. But for a little while, it's just goo goo, ga ga, you know, they got their own deal going. But it's their language. When you come to the church and you are baptized and you go down in a water birth, the old man has died, a new man comes up. The next thing he says is, I want you to be filled with the Spirit and to let you know you've been a new man in Christ, a new person in Christ. I'm going to let you have a spirit birth, but I'm not going to just give it to you and you not know about it. I'm going to give you a sign, and the sign is going to be for you to let you know to do something you can't do by yourself. I'm going to give you a tongue from the, that is an utterance from heaven that comes upon you, that you speak in a language that's not an acquired language, that you speak out. And some, some people may go, woo, bro, you lost me on that one. I'm not expecting you to be, have to be, 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 you know, take the full step of that. I'm, not, I'm just asking you this, in your faith in God, in your movement and faith in God, begin to talk to God in faith and just say, God, if, if, if you add this for me, begin to lead me towards this. Is that fair? That's easy. Just, Lord, lead me towards that. I'm not going to come back in the middle of service and shake you, Jamie. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to come back and shake you, uh, Lori. I'm not going to come back and rattle and roll you and all that stuff. I'm, we're not, <laughs> we don't do that stuff. But I'm just going to say this. We're going to give you an opportunity in a spirit-filled atmosphere that if, if God, if you are hungry, the Bible says he who is hungry and thirsty shall be filled. Isn't that pretty cool? <laughs> like, if you get hungry enough, you're going to go drink. And, and he says, I want to fill you with the Spirit of the Lord. The language is, again, not for you. I mean, it's for you. It's not for, it's not for the Lord. It, it, when we say the Holy Ghost, that's not that tongue. The Holy Ghost is the infilling of his Spirit. The tongue is just an outward sign. Now, I don't mean it's just. I don't mean to make light of it. But I'm saying the Spirit, the whole, when we say the Holy Ghost, that's not tongue. The Holy Ghost is the infilling of the Spirit in your life and the tongue. And as the beautiful thing about this is once you, once you get in the church and you, and you are filled with the Spirit of the Lord, that initial first time is, man, like crazy awesome experience and it's really cool. 
But the beauty is this tongue then becomes a prayer language for me and the Lord. That it's just me and him stuff. It's me and him talking and talking, me and him communicating. And I'm praying prayers that I don't even understand as I pray in the Holy Ghost. Now, Pastor, why don't we hear you do this every Sunday? There's a reason. Why don't you, why don't you standing on the platform, do you believe in tongues? Y'all do know they asked Paul the same question, right? And Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, I'm not saying I speak in tongues more than all of you because some of you, I get, hear you going at it. But I want to tell you, I believe and I speak in other tongues. But why don't I do it every Sunday up here? Through, why, don't, why don't I not do that? It's because of Paul. Paul said, I want there to be order in the church. And I want there to be order in the church. I would rather you say, and I'm going to put it in our vernacular, one or two or three words in English than I would a thousand words in tongues. And this is what, why? Because in a corporate setting, it's confusing to people. They don't know what you're saying. It sounds like gibberish. Are you with me? And so that is why when you pray, when you go there down in prayer, I don't mean you can't speak in tongues at church. Please don't want to go there. But I'm saying when you have, let's just put it this way. I believe if Paul was saying this, when you have first-time guests at your church and they're sitting around you, how many of y'all have brought that person to church, especially in church, and you're going, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, no, don't, don't sit there. Uh, uh, she sits there. Uh, he sits there. That spot, I got a guest right here. I got, and you're going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Keep them, keep them straight, Lord. Huh? Lord, don't let them do anything crazy. Don't let them. Don't let them do anything crazy. Now, there's Paul is saying those things. He said, "I just want order in the church," and the reason why is my mission is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the mission is to proclaim Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and so. I, I'm not going to trip up people. So there is literally times. I, I know this sound may crown crazy, and it's this. Every minister doesn't do this, and I'm probably a little goofy, but but it's the culture who we are. And so there's times I will I will literally feel the spirit come over me, and you probably don't even notice this, but I will feel the spirit come over. me. then I'll kick my mic back on. Am I ashamed of it? Not a bit. But my goal, God's number one candy stick in the world is to win people to Christ. And I, sometimes I can't take people to the meat and potatoes until, because they're standing there going, this is the first time I've ever stood next to anybody that's clapping their hands at church. And I was raised in an environment they're going like this. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. I'm just telling you how I was raised. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying this. There's people walking in going, I cannot get a hold of Jesus because you clapping your hand. They don't understand. Now, do I quit clapping? No. And before long, they're going to start clapping. What I'm saying is this. If there's order in there, I will remove I don't believe the Holy Ghost is crazy. I think sometimes people are. But the Holy Ghost is not crazy. It wasn't meant to run people off. It wasn't meant to scare people out of the church. I don't know if y'all are having fun, but I'm having a blast. It wasn't meant to be that way. It was mean, the Bible says, if you lift me up, I will draw all men unto me. And sometimes I go, God, why? And he's going, y'all have turned things that you're supposed to have. Some people, some people, some people have no devotion, no prayer life, anything. So it's kind of like when they get to church, they're like, 
they're coming in here and the spirit, they get plugged in. And they hadn't prayed in 15 years. Well, since last Sunday. And they, they can't contain all of what they're feeling. And they do things that are super emotional. But I find people that have consistent walk with God get what I'm saying here today. Because there is a letting off the steam in the presence of God when I'm connected to him when nobody else is around. I speak in tongues, like Paul says, more than you all. I believe in the power and the spirit of speaking another language because it connects me in my prayer life. And, 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 and there was a day in third grade for the first time in my life I stepped to the front and I was lifted my hands and some people were pushing this way saying hold on and somebody was pushing this way saying let go. And I, for survival's sake, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Can I get a witness right there? Survival. And I made up in my mind that when I have the opportunity and I'm a pastor of a church, I want to build into the culture of that church that we don't have to have false sprinklers go off spreading rain. When God wants to let it rain and the Spirit is poured out, it will be poured out in His perfect time. And can I tell you, over the last two years, through the power of our freedom ministry, we have had tons of people be filled with the Spirit for the very first time. Tons of them. All right, Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, and I've got to be quiet and let you out. Oh, okay, so here we go. And suddenly, this is, this is, this is so cool because this is Acts. This is the book of action. This is, this is, by the way, when Jesus was ascending, he's, he said, he told him, go you therefore and tell. And he said, hey, 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 hey. Go to the upper room. Go to the upper room. Go to a place in Jerusalem, that upper room, and I want you to get in there, and I want you to tarry till I come, and I'm going to send you the promise of the Father. And they're like, say what? I'm going to send you the promise of the Father. They're going, I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is. Let's go. So they go to Jerusalem. They start praying. This is where they were. It's, and it's, it's at a thing called the Feast of Pentecost. It has nothing to do with Pentecostal religion. It has nothing to do with it. It's a feast. It's a feast that the Jewish people called the Feast of Pentecost. And they're there at the Feast of Pentecost. Okay, all this is going on in Jerusalem at this time. There's like seven different types of feasts. One of them is Pentecost. They're in there. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. They're all tearing in. There's 120 in the room. There was 5,000 at the ascension. Oh, this will preach right here. There was 5,000 ascension. But when they got to the upper room, there's only 120. Some people don't make the journey to the next step of spirit and filling. Some people want the glitz and the glamour of the ascension but never wanted to make the next step. And you know what? We still love them. We believe in them. We're crazy about them. At least they took the first step. But Because one day they might just make the step. Mm, I'm going somewhere. I ain't never said that, but that was pretty good right there. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues. This is King James Version. Read another text, and it might explain to you a little bit more cloven. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. It wasn't fire. It wasn't like, boo. You know, you see all the little pictures, and it's up there. It was like as of fire. In other words, it was moving. It was operating, okay? And it was like as of fire. And it set upon each of them, and they were all. Everyone in the room, boo filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And what happened to them? They were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then there was an outer sign and, and began to speak with other tongues as what happened? As the preacher taught them how to do it. Say this real quick. I tie my bow tie. You just spoke in tongues. Is that what, I, I literally have people say, do they teach you how to do that? Do they teach you how to no, we don't teach you nothing. It's the Spirit of the Lord gave them utterance. I may talk to you on how to yield to the Spirit, but I don't want to tell you, say this super quick. And before long, you're going to get tongue-tied. No, that's what we're going to do, right? I'm being way too goofy tonight. So as the Spirit gave them utterance. So you see this happening? So what happened, this is cool, 120 people got it, and all of a sudden, they're opening up the windows of the little room. That's what I see it. Opening up the windows of the room, and they're looking and going, what's going on with them? Who, those people look like they're drunk. Why are they, are they drunk? How are they drunk? It's only the third hour of the day. It's not even time to get drunk. 
no, this is what really happened. I'm not making this stuff up. It's the third hour of the day. Why are they drunk? These men are not drunk as you suppose. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, which said in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all men. He went back all the way to the Old Testament. That's what happened back there. He said it, and it's happening right now. They're not drunk. They're having the spirit being poured up out, out upon them. And, 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 and so it's happening right here, okay? Cool things are going on. And so they said this. These people start opening the windows, if I, I see it like that, opening the doors going, what's going on? Maybe it was some of those people that didn't come over from Ascension. I don't know, from the 5,000. But all of a sudden, they start stepping in, and they're going, hey, hey, Simon Peter, how do, how do we get that, man? What's up, bro? What must we do? It kind of sounds a little bit like Nick at night in the Old Testament, or in the Gospels. What must I do to experience eternal life? And so Simon Peter stands on the stage. He gets ready. Get my mic on, turn my monitor up. Here he is. You ready? This is Simon Peter. And here's his moment. And he preaches the first message of the New Testament, Simon Peter. And he's the one that had to preach it because Jesus told him, upon this rock I will build my church. Hey, hey, Simon you've got to preach this message because you have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What you say is going to help them know what to do to get in. Is that cool? Oh, people, this is cool. Acts 2.38, and this is what happened. So Simon Peter stands up, and here's what he says. Then Peter, they just said, what, Lord, must we, must we do? Uh, uh, Peter, what must we do? Then Peter said to them, read it with me, repent and be baptized Every one of you in what? In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that day, the Bible says, 3,000 were added to the church. Come on, people. They had revival right there. I said all that to say this, what is truth? Now, this is the only weakness from us. Man, I have went, and I, I know, I'm, Dana said I got to go, I got to go. Thank God for a wife. Thank you, she's going. I'm really sorry, but I understand. You understand, we want you back. That's why, you know, we don't want to go too long. So I'm really conscious of that. But so many churches stop there, and we don't want to stop there. Or so many churches from that point on get all of the power of the New Testament freedom that came from being filled with the Spirit. And the next step is into back into that Old Testament stuff that brings back on so much junk that I can't even live. And I don't want to get all of this freedom in Christ, all this deliverance, and then go back to being bound up by religious legalism. That's all I'm saying. And so when I get here, what I want you to do is, again, start working out your own salvation. I don't want to put rules and regulations on your church, I mean, on your, on your family and you. Sure, if the Word of God is against it, I am too. Right? And we could go, we could, I could literally stand up here, but my wife would knock the glass out of the front of her eye watch. But I could talk to you about things that are biblical that, that we need to cut out of our lives. But some of those are common sense. They're moral issues. And they're things that our world is turning upside down. For instance, just real quick, men don't want to look like men anymore. And women don't look like women anymore. And he gave us, he gave us, he gave us guidelines for all of that. He laid that out. I, I want a man to look like a man. And we even on that start drawing lines and trying to get that religious and say this is what that means and this is what it means. And we have to go to back all the way to Old Testament law. And then it's going, oh, man, the same place we find one thing is the same place they're saying, well, you can't weave together cotton and linen. And so it, it gets, so instead of going all back to that, what I want to do is stay over here in the freedom 
of what God has given me in the New Testament. And then from here, I want to start taking steps. And what I want to do is Jesus said this, in the New Testament, I want you to have so much relationship with me that I'm going to lead you into the Word of God. If you'll get in the Word of God and work out your own salvation, for you, it might be a little different than you. And for you, it might be a little different from you. And so instead of me cookie-cuttering this thing and making it into a cult, I'm going to work with you, and I'm going to work with you, and I'm going to work this out of you, and I'm going to work this into you, and I'm going to, are you with me? And so I walk in, and, I'm, and, and so on Sunday morning, we got people at all different stages, and they're not deep and some shallow. We're all in different pl- new places in God, and we're growing in God, and we're developing God, and I'm as excited for the first-time person that may be a harlot that's walking in or made her first step that just simply says, I believe. As I am with the person that was filled with the Spirit of the Lord for the first time, as I am with the person that's been filled, that all of a sudden quit sleeping with their person, uh, the person that they're sleeping with outside of biblical situations. I'm excited about that because it's all part of the redemption Christian process. I love y'all. Y'all go eat pizza or something. Would you stand with me? Y'all are amazing people. Amazing, amazing people. Uh, if I if I have uh, said something that confused you, it's very possible, very possible, because I've, I've been up here talking for too long, and in the process of talking, we can say things that, yeah, man, I wish I didn't say that, I wish I didn't. And, and, it, and it might have been something that I meant to say, or maybe you didn't understand from the, your background, or whatever it may Talk to me. Let's work it out. Let's work it out. We don't have to agree together to go to church together. So we can work it out. We can work and work and work, work. Is that cool? Heavenly Father, I love you more than words can say. I love your gospel. God, thanks for the gospel. God, I don't want to turn the gospel into a wicked sword that hurts people. But I want to turn the good news of the gospel into something that brings people from darkness to light. And God, I pray that in the name of Jesus that I have done that today. But God, guide us as a church family and our culture as we make sure grace is in the house. There's a lot of things that we may have differences on, but God, let us, let us be sure in this that we want grace and we want truth in our lives and in this church. God, I ask you to bless everyone that is at different stages of their growth in God. Let everyone feel the presence of God, feel the touch of God, feel the drawing power of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And the wonderful church of the Lord say amen. Can you do that? God bless you. Thanks for letting me teach you tonight. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday. We'll see you Sunday.